positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. Let's talk about comedy. We're comedians, right? That was the basic premise of this show a long time ago. Hello, I'm Jake Flores. That's Alex Patak. Hello, I'm Alex Patak. And that's Anders Lee. Anders Lee here. Guilty by association. Both of you are now. Um, Both of (laughs) you are now. (laughs) That's right. I'm Lord Yoda. That's right. I'm doing green face. I'm Yoda. I'm talking like Yoda. Even though... Women! Shopping they go. <laughs> Even though I shouldn't because it would be appropriation and a, um, there's a tradition of making fun of what species is Yoda? We just call them Yodas, but that's like I his think... name. Yeah, yeah I think they're really called Yodas. It's, no, it's so offensive. It's like calling like Chinese people Jackie Chan or something. <laughs> it's not okay. Yeah, and uh, then if you see a baby Chinese person, you're like, oh, that's baby Jackie Baby Yoda. Chan. <laughs> Baby Chan. I just I'm googling right now. Uh, Yoda, what species are in their parlance? Thank uh, you, apparently, it's species unknown by the Star Wars databank. So we don't even know like what they're called. Basic lore to cover, but I do have a lot of questions about Yoda this week because there's actually been a clip unearthed of Yoda. <laughs> And he's performing with Lizzo and Jack Black and uh, helping them do a variety of ceremonies. And people are sharing it and saying, this isn't it, Chief. And then it's Baby Yoda using the Force. And my question is, what is this? Is that real? What am I looking at? Is that a real thing? Yeah. I've seen it like two or three times this week. I haven't watched the last season of Mandalorian, but I keep hearing shit like this. I'm like, what? I, just from the third degree, I'm like, what the fuck is happening on that show? When did Lizzo show up? (laughs) I mean, it makes me wonder if you go back and look at those old Star Wars VHS, like the spinoff ones they did about like Endor and stuff from the 80s. Is there going to be like cameos by Pauly Shore that we all just forgot about? Like the girl from Blondie, you know, celebrities from back then. I think it'll fade away eventually into the into the canon. Uh, you know what I think is weird about Star Wars is that because they're making all these different shows and movies, all the like they all have different tones, like vastly different tones, but they're supposed to be the same universe. So, like, right. if you're in Andor, everything's very serious and it's kind of adult, you know. Mm. And then if you're Risk in, a. but then like at some point someone from Andor has to meet like baby Yoda breakdancing and shit. That just seems like an odd way to tie all those stories together. Very vast, that universe. Anyways. It was a long time ago. It was a long time so ago. Speaking of a long time ago, uh, <laughs> I did blackface when I was like 21. Um, this was also in a different galaxy. This was in a different galaxy. <laughs> different I was among Ewoks. They said it was funny. <laughs> it, was a f- it was 
far, far away in Austin, Texas. Um, and I figured I would talk about it on the show because um, while someone is uh, emailing everyone I know about it, and uh, also because um, it's relevant to comedy, and we're going to talk a little bit later to a friend of ours uh, about a satirical novel that they wrote, which is comedy, right? That's a that mm. much like Star Wars, things don't have to tie together that closely. We have a vague, uh, common thread going on here, so I think that'll work. I think that's an episode, but um, yeah. So if you're like someone who follows me on Twitter and someone is uh, DMing you and going, um, you know, Jake Flores is canceled. Um, let me explain uh, the story and how I feel about it. And, uh, I don't know. I just wanted to talk about it because it's, it's fucking dumb. Like, I'm not like, uh, I don't think it's cool. Um, I was a dumbass when I was younger, which is why I'm like such, uh, it's why I'm so obsessed with right wing, like, sort of crypto fascist comedy fans is because I was one of them and have escaped from the cult of being a chud. And, uh, I very much understand these people, I think. And so, um, you know, instead of, I don't, I, on some level, I feel like these people can be deprogrammed on the other, on another level. I just am someone who feels like they, you should be mocked for being like that. It helps you get out of it. And it certainly helped me sort of escape that world when I was younger. But when I was younger, I did stand up comedy in uh, Austin, Texas, which is like where my where i came from as a comic and way way back i'm sorry austin texas is the big time oh yeah uh certainly right now i'm sure if i went down there and did this right now i'd be headlining because it's just like anti-woke uh joe rogan world now and shit jake this is highly unusual but we would like to present you with the austin blackface award <laughs> for most blackface comic yeah, I really sh I should probably go to a black person with an actual black face, but I appreciate it going to be. We want you to have it. <laughs> Can you imagine uh, coming in second in the Austin Best Blackface? Did you just, <laughs> did you just reference a joke of mine? Yes, you son of a bitch. Yeah, I appreciated it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so when I was like, I'm, I'm 36 years old, I'm dying, and I started comedy when I was like 19 or 20, and so like the first couple years of comedy when I was a drunk child, I did stand up with this guy Norman Wilkerson a lot, who ran a show at this place called Beerland, and he did like, uh, he would do these like goofy ass shows where you like, we, we did like fake roasts, you know what I mean? You know those shows where it's like the roast of Santa Claus, and then you dress up like a Christmas character and then write fictional roast jokes and stuff. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, very 2010s. Yeah, it was very theater dorky. Um, and he had one on Halloween where it was uh, the seance, is what it was called, and you would do like a comedian, like a dead comedian, right? And uh, I, I can't even remember what I did the first time. It was like fun, but in retrospect, very dorky. Like, as an audience member, I would not want to watch this, but as a young comic i was like you you're i get to do this you know um it was really stupid but i sure, you can't turn down a spot we're all hustling <laughs> i talked to him about it and i was like well who do you think i should do like should i do like mitch hedberg or something and some other guy did mitch hedberg and uh you know so he was like how about red fox was his idea and uh, I was like, I don't really know Red Fox, 
but uh i guess i'll go check them out that could be fun and then i went you know and, and like rented some dvds this is before smartphones and everything and i watched red fox and i was like oh this is an old black man <laughs> so <laughs> they watched... know at first <laughs> if you look at jake's notepad it has old black man underlined as the top note <laughs> i will confess for a while i used to get red fox mixed up with red green who is very much red not green same. He's like a Canadian comedian who had like this show that would air on PBS where it's just basically about like tools and stuff. His big thing was he invented the colors of Christmas. <laughs> That's a goofy ass name, Red Green. That you should be a comedian. I you see I got to mix up the Red Skelton. I thought he was talking about Red Skelton, oh. who I remembered from watching uh, I Love Lucy when I was a kid, who was like a hobo comedian type guy, uh, like a old black and white vaudeville guy. So I thought that was it, and then I went, okay, Red Fox. I watched a bunch of Sanford and Son. Great fucking show, by the way. Classic sitcom. Um, Shout out Sanford and Son. And then I just memorized some Red Fox jokes and like did, tried to write some in his voice, and then did this show at Beerland, and I swear to God, the thing about these shows is that there would be like, there was like five people in the audience, maybe. There was like no one at these things, hmm. but Norman Wilkerson was like he was like uh he videotaped everything because he was like a dumbass we were all dumbasses and he was like this is i'm gonna diy a scene i'm gonna make it right he was like a stanhope opener hanger on type guy um and a, a friend of mine at the time but he was just some dude who ran a show in a bar and like uh i was like 20 or something right and so <laughs> he fucking filmed everything on like a camcorder and uh you know, I did that that night, and I remember I showed up, and I had, like, impulsively swung by a costume shop and bought the makeup, which they shouldn't... There's no reason for there to be makeup <laughs> that is that color, right? Uh, oh, my God. But they had it, and I was like, well... I was, I remember I was in the green room, and I was talking to this other guy, this guy, Matt Bearden, who, uh, he, he chose... He's a white dude, and he chose to do Bernie Mac, which, well, he had just died, and... Oh. I remember being like, are you going to do it? And he was like, are you going to do it? And we were just like, <laughs> should we do it? And he was really funny. His thing is he just wore these those glasses that have the bugged out eyeball on them. <laughs> and that was it. And like a sweater. And it was pretty funny. Like he did a good Bernie Mac. He's a grown ass man and a you know seasoned comedian. Um, so I was a young edgelord. And I basically decided, uh, well, you're not supposed to do this thing so that's why i'm gonna do it which is why you make a lot of decisions you make when you're a young dumbass edgelord comedian is if something is taboo well that's the joke is that it's it is and you're not supposed to do it right so uh i did it it didn't really make sense it didn't add anything to it it was i just thought it'd be weird um it sucked i think it sucks uh i honestly also i've never talked about this before because i forgot this happened this is not something that <laughs> like i've been like oh my god i hope nobody finds out i literally forgot because i did like something like this every day of the week i'm sure back then um <laughs> but i fucking uh i, I forgot about it until like someone who stalks me and doxes me and all this shit uh started tweeting at me about it because i guess what had happened is that uh a lot of time has passed and that guy norman wilkerson that ran those shows he kept all the footage of this sort of stuff because he's a hardcore libertarian asshole and he hates me now because when i got older and moved to new york and 
educated myself and stuff like that, I sort of realized like he's like like a lot of stuff that he's on and into is bad and dumb. And I started talking a lot about like Charlottesville and stuff like that. And he like got really mad at me. And so he blocked me on everything and he hates me now. And he's best friends with Nick Mullen and all these fucking people. And he like, uh, you know, I'm the, I'm a bad guy to them or whatever. So he fucking went through all this old footage. And I think he leaked that shit is what's going on. And then now these people are like tweeting it at people. Well, um, how long do you think it took him to find the footage? I don't know, man. I for real like this is obscure shit. Like there were five people at that project. fucking show. For real. Yeah. <laughs> um but I brought it up because well, a couple reasons. One of them is uh oh, man, this is complicated. So I just they this person has been sending this to like people that are booked have booked me on shows and one of them got canceled and it was the reason that like this whole thing came together this episode came together i was gonna be on this fucking reading at the slipper room that clash books is doing but the slipper room is like you know i mean of all there it's a woke like poetry reading type venue or whatever in manhattan i'm not surprised at all that they went like um we would be you know they brought out the podium and said, like, um, <laughs> as a policy here, we are anti this person or whatever. And uh, totally fine. So that caused uh, a series of events, which I guess I'm getting deplatformed from shows. But the thing is, like, that well, for, that show didn't pay anything. So I didn't, like, care. Like, I wasn't like, um, oh, no, my career. Like, I was doing that kind of as a favor to someone who booked me. So, you know, don't really give a shit. Um but uh ugh, I guess I wanted to talk about this because I wanted to make it very clear that I think that set sucks. <laughs> like I'm not like defending it as being like, you know, how dare you uh attack me, a comedian, a free speech truth teller and stuff like that. I think um that that sort of thing sucks ass and that as a comedian, someone in my position should take uh every amount of criticism that comes from that sort of thing um you know and i think that when comedians complain about being canceled and stuff like that they are um narcissistic and self-centered and whining and entitled and i don't want to be any of those things i don't particularly give a shit about stand-up so that probably helps me to have a perspective here of like i don't care uh i'm not really being like attacked or bothered by anyone but these like people who stalk me uh who are like not concerned about racism like one of them their name if they have a fake name on twitter and if you read it fast it's the n-word is in the middle of it like this obviously is some huh. white person who is not concerned about racism it's kind of like black facing your avi name yeah uh <laughs> but like i don't uh yeah i don't uh i don't particularly feel the need to, I, I would like to actually make a point about this which is that uh i you know i think that sucks if i saw someone do that today i would give them shit over it i would boo a person you know doing something like that uh, but I also, I, and I don't think that it's, um, how do I explain this? Like, 
I don't want to say I don't care because that sounds callous, but I think the the thing that happens to artists when they decide that they are getting canceled over something in their past is uh, neurotic and weird because they're sort of imagining a situation where they were entitled to all of the followers that they had already that are then unfollowing or like the jobs that they're getting fired from and like you know be being a being a celebrity is not something that like is an inherent right <laughs> you know what i mean it's weird that's kind of seems to be the thing that people feel is being robbed of them whenever people like criticize them and shit on the internet but like it's like a uh it's it's not even a job. It's the thing that we're all trying to do to get out of working jobs is being like paid to be famous or whatever, or be an artist or whatever. And I li- I don't care about that shit at all. So please uh, talk shit about me and, and I'll join in with you because I think it's stupid. I, I've been thinking about Steve Albini a lot during this because he had a mm. band called Rape Man. And he'll, he's the first yeah. person nowadays, if you bring it up, he will go, yeah, that was stupid. Like I was a young dumbass uh edgelord and you know i i think that was bad or whatever and that's how i feel about my own past but i feel like i've been pretty open about that sort of thing uh, about how i came from that world that's why i know all these people that's why they all know who i am and like the important thing is nowadays in the current now to you know to be like i don't uh i i think that shit's dumb and i've grown past it and everyone should so sorry uh, if you had to see that. <laughs> I can't Does anybody find else it. have any? To... I'm trying to look for it on Twitter, and I'm not seeing. It's not coming up for me yet. So hopefully, if you, if you got it, send it. If you're hate listening to this, shoot me a DM. I want to see this thing. Does anybody else have any crimes they'd like to own up to from the past <laughs> while we're on it? Uh. Oh. Anders, I'm looking in your direction. We are both Uh-oh. looking right at Anders, knowing that he's the one who's done the thing. Well, I will say I heard about this recently, but I a couple of years ago, uh, son of a bitch, <laughs> I on Facebook posted um, what I thought was a pretty clear April Fool's joke. This was a, around a year. Oh, after I remember this. One. <laughs> our friend Ragov died, and uh, so. The next year's April Fools, I said that I was going to do a one-man show about him uh, doing all of his stand-up and going through his entire life and in makeup. Uh, and several people didn't get it was a joke. <laughs> Oddly, though, were not offended about the makeup part. They were like, how can I see this? <laughs> yeah. well, they want to support you in your time of grief. They're saying Andrews is doing crazy things because he's grieving. <laughs> I just want to help him in his art. The one man <laughs> show I remember is called Meta, right? Metamorphosis. <laughs> this is last name. And was, then Mark Zuckerberg uh, stole your name. <laughs> yeah. Um, Meta, yeah it, is were, interest- it was like a an acting feat that you were going to metamorphosize into right. Rock of Meta. It's brilliant. We should put it on. That's a, we maybe we should after if we yeah we. If we want to lean into the uh, appropriation thing, Andrew's um, just alone in a room trying to channel his anger. So <laughs> wrong of. Uh, it is interesting. So this happened in 2008, right? It's when Buddy Mac died. Something like that. Yeah, it had to have been that year, but I 
don't remember. I was drunk for the first 25 years of my life. Like, I don't <laughs> particularly have this to a fucking date or anything. I haven't yeah. thought about it until just a couple days ago. Well, because I remember Bernie Mac died in 2008. And it's funny, 2008 is one of those years that's just swallowed up by just Obama. When you think of 2008, it's just like the Obama logo. Just Maybe that's just me, but... Uh, but there's, you know, so much other stuff happening. And, and culturally, I mean, obviously, this is not to excuse what you did, but a very different time, that st- type of thing was commonplace. And I remember specifically right, the Bernie president Mac. was black, so it was actually punching yeah. up. We well, broke this, through costume-wise. It was this weird <laughs> thing where, like, for the first time, we're electing a non-white president, but it's um, almost more okay to be do like ironic racism than it had been like 10 years before that um but i remember bernie mac opening for obama like a few weeks before he died i think and like campaigning for obama and he was doing like a joke about like you know some women are hoes or something like that i just did uh verbal blackface there but uh <laughs> he was telling like he was doing like kind of edgy stuff for a political rally and Obama actually had to get on stage and like, uh, Bernie, some of those jokes you might want to uh, take off the clean take it off up. the roster. You might want to <laughs> clean, clean it up, Bernie. Bernie. Yeah. You know what's funny about that is that <laughs> after Obama became president, I think in like his second term, he ha- he like, he was always such a fucking comedy nerd and so he very conspicuously booked Louis C.K. to perform right. at the White House, who was a white dude who says the N-word. I don't know if he was doing it yet at that point, but it was like weird. I was felt really weird about that. I was like, the president. There's a there's a cultural thing where it was like, if I do stand up clear enough and emotionally enough, I will then have earned a green light to say the word, (laughs) (laughs) because everyone will be on my side. And there was like a two to four year period where that was like the pinnacle of comedy was white guys giving themselves the pass <laughs> then immediately it was shut down after that Everyone was like why was why were we all doing it yeah well so a lot of the justification was through this like um through this this lens of like this weird fucking self-serving comedic argument of like oh it's satire and like i've been thinking about that a lot this week because there's this this clip just has been going around uh speaking of canceling comedians uh, I d- deserved cancellation is happening right now. I think. Um, well, not that I'm saying I mind is undeserved, but I think this is more se- news. severe. How do I fucking segue into this without stepping on a million landmines? Bobby Lee, that comic uh, who's on like Mad TV, oh yeah, told a fucking story uh, where he basically like is like, I am not lying. I actually did this. Like he just broadcasts it in a million ways. It's very damning about him assaulting a fucking child in in like Mexico when he was on like a border, like a you know, trip across the border or whatever, like a teenage sex worker or whatever. And I was reading. Uh, Cause I'm like a, you know, I, I come from these people. Like I'm a fuck from the, the, the swamp, the muck or whatever. I'm fascinated with them. I, I was reading a bunch of replies on like a YouTube clip or whatever where his fans were replying and they were saying, no, it's satire. You just don't understand satire. And it's like, how much faith do you have to put in like a comedian to think that they're doing this insanely 
nuanced satire where it involves them screaming like this is not satire i actually mean this and then telling you something because i guess that's what he's saying after the fact is like now he's saying he's like an avant-garde like i told that as a story it was fictional i wrote a fictional story and then like said it from crazy right the amount of faith kind of seems like something you would say if it wasn't satire and everyone was yelling at you about it <laughs> yeah no that's like kind of also where i'm coming from here is like i don't want to be that per- that's a sad person the comedian who ends up going like um you know it no you don't understand my genius when i was drunk and 22 years old or whatever was that i was doing satire like no i just made a decision it was fucking dumb um, I have a thing. I thought it was satire, but I know what it was. I think it, I didn't know what I thought it was satire I of at the time. I don't. I haven't seen enough of it to judge. But I, my, I mean, I'm not. Obviously, it's a tasteless, stupid thing. But it is significantly different from actually doing it. If he is doing like this stupid meta bit, that is a separate category in my mind from actually doing the stuff he's talking about in the video. Bobby oh. Lee. Yeah. Oh, I think he did that. In, I think he's. Of- Kind of seems like he did it and is just lying because everyone found out about it or whatever. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I haven't watched enough. I don't. Yeah, I haven't dug enough into it. But I just those are two very different things. I do want to. Well, if you want to have a really bad time, I recommend looking it up. It's a okay. bummer. I think we can all agree for the record, making up a lie about assaulting a minor and then. And actually assaulting a minor are different things. Yes, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh, totally. No, I mean, they're entirely different things. That's what's so confusing, you know, about right. art is like um, someone who someone who makes like artifice out of really horrible shit is uh, it's kind of it's great. Like, I love watching a horror film, you know, and then it, but if you find out that person like actually murdered someone with an axe, that oh, it's that's entirely uh different and this is like the logic that people are invoking when they're defending comedians who you know cross lines and stuff like that but like i don't know have you ever read like chris nesteroff he's really interesting he's a comedy historian and he wrote a book called the comedians and uh he's been on like wtf a few times talking about this sort of shit but he brought up some really interesting shit about um like vaudeville and uh the original days of blackface and stuff like that when they were doing like al jolson shoe polish and sh- you know shit and like uh back then people were not okay with it and would make their opinions known about that and then there would be these stories in the newspaper like exactly like what is happening today where those performers would say our free speech is under attack. We've been able to do this, you know, for the last couple years and everything was fine. And it would be happen when like, uh, you know, when just like people of color would move into certain parts of the country where they were doing this sort of stuff, they would pretend as though their brilliant nuanced inversion of racial tensions was being, uh, misunderstood by people when in reality they were just being told to shut the fuck up you know (laughs) because what they were doing was like stupid and not actually that nuanced or whatever he also fucking uh mentioned that something i always thought was really interesting when he was on wtf which is that you know the the joke why did the chicken cross the road i've heard it it came that joke came from a minstrel show really 
Yeah, because they would fucking make jokes about chicken all the time because it was a stereotype that black oh, people chicken. Oh, it's like something a dumb person would say. Okay. I don't know. It was a way of getting people into the show. They would say the chicken crossed the road to come see our fantastic show. <laughs> it satirizes race. It's important in our society. Even a chicken would want to see it. Uh, you know what I heard? Maybe this is from uh, Nesteroff, but the cakewalk, which was a uh, dance, comedic dance they would do in minstrel shows, um, imitating black people who the minstrel performance saw doing a similar dance. That originated from black people actually making fun of white people. So they didn't even oh, realize yeah. they stole their dance that was making fun of them. I think we all know what white people look like when they see a cake. <laughs> oh, I'm walking over. I'm going to get it. Like you're a chicken crossing the road to get that cake, man. I cannot help myself when cake is on the table. That's pretty funny. Uh, damn, that's cool. I should say, I guess I should admit to this in case it comes out. Maybe take the heat off, Jake. I did when I was 14 accidentally, accidentally call someone the N-word. Accidentally? Accident. Yes. That never would have gotten out otherwise. How how did this happen accidentally? I was in math class <laughs> and I sat between two friends who are both African American and they <laughs> would frequently use the N word and one time one was kind of jostling me a little bit and I turned and I was you know working out so I turned around and for a split second forgot that I was white and called him the n-word without a hard r anyone it immediately became flush red i was extremely embarrassed and then they both started like cracking up (laughs) (laughs) oh man you are the funniest person to do that (laughs) i don't know why oh fuck you just knowing how much it's gonna haunt you for the rest of the time is really what yeah I mean, I think about uh, saying that word in the same way I think about jumping in front of the train when it's coming and that, like, my brain is like, here's a quick list of things not to do. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't have that. Oh, boy. It's so important to have that. (laughs) Man. Well, I have, like, that, but it's... There's there's an OCD symptom called disaster fantasies where I think this is what, like, Tourette's kind of is, where you just have an impulse, like an intrusive thought to be like, what's the worst thing I could say right now? I should say that, you know. Right. Uh, and that's like kind of where that impulse comes from, like comedically, I guess, is just like uh, pushing like taboos or something like that. I don't know. Anyway, we support uh, the slipper room banning Jake and the entire <laughs> rock for performing. Yeah. Platform Jake. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, God, I have like a. Th- a lot of thoughts about this that I like. I should, I guess, voice on this show because I have people very concerned, like DM me about this and be like, "Are you, you know, going to, you know, what's going on? Is this real?" And it's like, it's a, it that tone clashes so hard with the reality of being a fucking weird ass comedian like myself. Because the thing is, it's like, I think we've. We've all gotten really touchy about this sort of stuff because that that level of like high stakes, like nervousness about this sort of thing comes from having watched famous people with corporate jobs freak the fuck out over having 
a light shined on them and all of their ugly warts and stuff and skeletons pulled out of their closet via like the level of, you know, weird surveillance and stuff we have in the social media age. And it, well, it's it they they tend to freak out because they lose jobs where you have like uh contracts and stuff like that that say like, you know, we have to disown you if you do something like this. I'm not living that life, so, like, I don't, it's not that I don't care, but I'm not, like, gonna pull out a podium and be like, um, you know, I have decided to donate 50% of my income, which is still not very much money, to an organization this week, so as to, you know, because, like, uh, I I would hope that anyone listens to the show knows that I'm, like, a dedicated anti-racist, you know what I mean? Like, we've logged fucking bazillions of hours of content so we're not gonna do uh, a press conference as you're getting evicted in your apartment i was about to say jake is uh donating half of an eviction to a charity (laughs) in need maybe there's like some bylaw where you can get out of being evicted if you're doing like a an apology press conference um i haven't looked into it myself it's just so crazy in my work I'm going to look into that. We're going to host a fundraiser in my apartment, which is actually kind of why we got sued by our landlord to begin with, was from having a party. Well, we didn't have a party. It was from somebody else having a party. I should make that uh, clear since I'm sure lawyers are listening to this. Man, I got a lot of shit going on in my life right now. My fucking landlord's trying to evict me. This shit's going on. And uh, still uh, doesn't really matter. Didn't, it didn't change anything other than I got not performing at the Slipper Room this next week, which is uh, a bummer because I wanted to hang out with these artists and stuff. But I understand liability. Like, they don't want to have, um, like, you know, a mob of people show up and just, you know, throw eggs at their venue or whatever. Yeah. I mean, uh, we, so we did paid protest yesterday, right? Uh, mm-hmm. As of recording. For, by the way, thank you for coming to the show. The next one is May 4th. We do a monthly stand-up show um, uh, for the DSA. And uh, it was to support a cause in East Palestine. We were working with a group called the Comedy Resistance. And Sarah Silverman knows them, so she shared the show. And I was really excited a famous person shared the show. And uh, tying into the story with Jake, <laughs> one guy under every comment in this giant thread, because she is famous, Posted screenshots of Sarah Silverman in blackface under every comment. Oh, as almost as if to saying, don't come to the show because Sarah Silverman will be there doing blackface, <laughs> which is not true on any level. It was not at the show. I do not know what that is from, but it definitely isn't like within the last 15 years. It's from the Sarah Silverman show, which was out about 15 years ago. I remember it because uh, I was watching it around the time I started comedy and I met somebody who worked on that fucking show and sent me like scripts from it. I think they might have sent me that episode like before it came yeah. out. And, you know, I mean, this is something that people say when this sort of shit comes out is like, I don't know, back then it was like no big deal. Everyone was doing shit like that, which is like, you know, uh, not an excuse, but it's also kind of true because what's happening is that like social norms are changing and stuff. So. You don't have to like um, self-immolate or whatever when some when someone points out that you were like participating in shit like that back then. I believe the move was in the mid two thousands blackface because obviously like 
by that point in history, it was not just cool to be taunting black people. The joke on every one of these sitcoms, like I think Arrested Development had a plot like this too, is one of the characters is tricked into doing blackface and then everyone else sees them and then tells them, oh no, you're not supposed to do blackface. And then they got to look at the camera and they're like, oh no. Which have, like did not hold up well at all. Now everyone just sees you in blackface in a little still image on the computer, and it looks terrible. Yeah, I think the plot line in the Sarah Silverman show was that she was uh, doing a thing where she realized that like the experience of moving through the world as a black person is different. So she wanted to do a social experiment where she was like, I'm going to dress up like a black person for a day to, like, demonstrate this so it was like a joke about you know social experiments and like kind of a proto anti-woke thing or whatever um but it's fu- he, here's another thing about this she's fine right like nothing no one she's not in like the gulag you know nothing actually happens to you when you get canceled i kind of i don't really believe cancel culture is real it's like a thing that uh you know right-wing people will sort of howl about all day to try to scare you, but what they're identifying is just critique, just criticism. Uh, there's no actual... You don't really get deplatformed from anything other than shit that, like, you didn't really have to begin with. Like, that guy who fucking... Shane Gillis, that guy who got uh, booked on... He got hired by SNL and then immediately fired because he did something kind of similar because me and him are from similar comedic backgrounds. Uh, he sort of became this like image, this icon for people to evoke and say, look, see, the culture has gotten so bad that like that. Look what happened to this poor guy. And the thing is, like, that guy didn't have that job. Like, he just, he, you know, the, the job comes with a contract and a liability situation and in like an insurance situation that states that you can't have done something like that in your past and then get hired. So it was, it was a blip an aberration that he got hired to begin with. And then they like corrected the situation, which I don't think is good. Like, I think that sucks that like mainstream TV is like that and you can't be a human or whatever and have made mistakes and be on TV. But that's just the fact that that comes with trying to be on like the disney kids club or whatever if that's your fucking goal you have to be an alien if you want to be on tv you have to be like a pete Buttigieg, like fake person or whatever it's never been a goal of mine so i you know i don't feel i, I this would never happen to me because i would never try out for snl because i'm like there's a lot of shit about me on the internet that would already immediately trigger that fucking clause uh so you know why do that to begin with or whatever and i think like with the like people conceiving of that sort of thing is as like um pervasive and like like a a problem well that comes part and parcel with right-wing culture war hysteria which is really eventually just trying to tie that to a group of people and it's not like a thing that has come around recently it, they try to make it a, like a like an argument that we live in a time of mass hysteria, and that's that's something that's just happening recently because there's a group of people that are causing it, and that those people should be dealt with in some way. But it's like uh, it's it's just a like a hysterical way of looking at like normal shit happening. If if you do stuff like this, you're doing it 
because you were trying to get a reaction out of people, right? That's what I never understood about edgelords. They get so mad when they get, like, critiqued. It's like, but you purposely wake up every day and you go, how do I provoke as many people as possible? Like, what are the what are the boundaries to cross? What are the words that you're not supposed to say and the things you're not supposed to do? Uh, I did that when I was fucking a child, when I was a kid, <laughs> you know? And, uh, yeah, no, it's totally okay and normal for people to then do the thing that I was provoking them into doing. Um, and you're a baby if you don't see it that way, I guess. This is uh, from something you were talking about a few minutes ago, but something you said about the uh, the Sarah Silverman episode where she does blackface to uh, in comedically see what it's like to be as a black person in America, and that's 2005 TV. Uh, the other cultural artifact from that time that is not as hot button of an issue, but you do see drugged up every now and then is, oh man, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get this right. Tyra Banks was dressed up in the fat suit to go around <laughs> and see what it was like to be fat around town. And Damn. it's not, it's not something that's like reviled throughout history, but is the same premise with a word changed. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> Old episodes of America's Next Top Model are very, very funny. Uh, was that, my wife was watching them a few years ago, and uh, was that ATM or the Tire Bank show that she did that? I don't remember. How do you know the differences in those two things? Because you have a girlfriend. Yeah, no, I didn't have cable as a kid, so uh, <clears throat> my only options. But uh, I thought you were going to say Jimmy Kimmel, as I believe it was Carl Malone. Carl Malone. Yeah. The refrigerator. Wait, no. <laughs> That's, um... Nope. All right, I'm canceling again. Uh, <laughs> Postman. Is that what he was? I don't know what his nickname was. <laughs> Why did I think it was the Postman? Yoda. It was Yoda. I uh, think this is on top model. The Mailman. The Mailman. Uh, mailman. Okay. The Postman is the guy who's been posting pictures of me in blackface. Also, a Kevin Costner movie from around that time. Oh, right. But he does not do blackface that I remember. That we know of. Okay, no, I'm remembering this cor correctly. There's also an episode. I think it's just an episode, not a full season. But 2005 America's Next Top Model also did a whole episode where the point was the models had to all do blackface. Oh, my Jesus God. Jesus <laughs> So they all, like, all the white models did blackface and all the black models did whiteface, which is also very funny. And it is, I believe, on Hulu or Netflix or whatever. You can watch this tomorrow. But it's, like, not a joke in it. They're all, like, genuinely trying to do the best blackface to impress Tyra. Well, they had, around that time, too, there was a reality show uh, where a black family and a white family swapped races I mean, with makeup, they didn't do the surgery or anything, um, but it was like a comprehensive <laughs> makeup thing. And cameras was, weren't as good back then. People really thought you, you could fool society with the makeup. You could. Well, get yeah, past the sensor. But it was all about how do you move through the world? How do you interact with things? And I mean, there's a classic book about that that I remember reading in high school, Black Like Me, uh, which, you know, some people have criticized because he got ultimately got to go back to being white. Um but, you know, for a time, it, it was not – that was seen as a genuine social experiment and a, a helpful thing to try. What is the book? The book is just a guy doing blackface? Basically, yeah. It was. It's from like the 60s. 
Oh, okay, okay. I was about to say, this is a wild 10-year period of, like, the most blackface that has ever been done. It's actually a book I'm going to be reading from at the Slipper Room uh, this week. <laughs> it's published with Clash Books. <laughs> <laughs> really eye-opening stuff. Yeah, I wrote it. It's about being me in the year 2008 mm. for 30 minutes or whatever the fuck. Jake like me. Jake <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess like it's weird to have like a because uh, like being something like a comedian, you have like this pro wrestling esque like lore and legacy and stuff like that, and uh, fans and like a following that is under the impression that you represent something, and like you know we do we're into left politics here we're obviously like trying to make the world a better place or at least understand how it got to where it is or whatever i on some level we're somewhat optimistic and trying to do something here or whatever i don't know if i've taken the time to make it extremely clear lately or recently that like part of the way i got here is that i used to be evil like i had a meaningless empty life and i hung out with other desperate open mic comedians and tried to give my life meaning through this like weird religious cult of like almost like self uh like like inflicted like it's almost like masochistic or something what people do with comedy in like the edgelord world and uh and i got smarter when i got older because i met people who gave my life meaning and realized and it's like it's not it's kind of dialectical let me explain what what i mean by that like what happens to someone like that when you evolve which is why i think you should talk to like young shitty comics about this sort of stuff is that it's not like i used to be like really into just saying fucked up shit and then i one day was like i'm evil i shouldn't do that i should then be a woke sjw instead and you know rose emoji and all that stuff which i think is like how a lot of people will look at someone like me and think like oh you just like uh picked a different thing to like market to or whatever Nah, what happened is i still have a really fucked up sense of humor um i still find things that are taboo to be really funny but when i got older and i also as i like worked a lot as a comic i realized that there's just context and you just have to read the room when you're doing comedy and so like when you have an audience like this podcast with a lot of people who i can't read i'm not gonna like do something that risky and risk possibly someone not understanding that i'm joking right and that's why comedians get so fucking hurt on like for getting called out for things that they do on stage is because they i think they often feel entitled for everyone in the room to understand that they don't mean to hurt them even though you can hurt someone inadvertently you can say the wrong thing and fucking you know trigger someone deeply like uh, arouse a wound inside of someone and if you do that accidentally, it's on you as the performer. Like it, 
you can't whine your way out of it and say, oh, these people are trying to take me down or they're jealous of me or whatever. If you get on stage and you talk to hundreds of people all the time, if you get on a mic on a, pla- on a fucking platform like this and talk to thousands of people and you do that and you hurt someone, that's your fault. Uh, is he frozen for you too? Yeah. Oh, shit. So, like, I still, like, um, like, there's stuff that gets cut out of, like, this podcast sometimes that I think is funny, uh, or that, you know, whoever was talking thought was funny, but then you go, no, the difference here is whether it's ethical to, like, wield this at other people, right? So, I guess I also, like, kind of speaking to people that come from the edgelord world, where it's, like, I guess what I'm trying to say to, like, people like that is, like, no one's asking you to stop, like, having your sense of humor or, like, you know, or uh, enjoying personally the nuanced, like, humor that you enjoy. What we're all arguing about is whether, you know, uh, wielding that sort of thing in public violates, like, the consent of people who who made an agreement to pay five dollars or whatever to come listen to you fucking talk or whatever and like that's just like not being a a sociopath that's all you just you learn to be a fucking person when you grow up and you just learn to like uh you know to meet people where they're at and try to connect with them rather than having this like personality that is you just you just insist everyone has to put up with all the time and that's i think it's how you get to a point where you're like it's kind of a weird thing about being a comedian is because you eventually realize like you don't really get to do a lot of the things you want to do. If you're trying to sell comedy all the time, you have to you do what connects with like people on some level. So that's where I'm at, and that's kind of why I'm not like a shitty edgelord anymore, at least very publicly, because I just I think that like when people who are into edgelord comedy like that do stuff like that and then complain about getting a bad reaction, uh they're just insisting that like they should get purposely be able to provoke everyone on purpose and then expect that it be celebrated instead of like uh critiqued or whatever and like that's just a stupid way of going about living like i split the difference do whatever you want in your free time but like don't complain when as an artist you get uh critiqued over stuff and i guess good satire walks that line and that's what fucking satire is all about right that's something I've been thinking about because me and Alex are both white guys who started comedy stand-up in Brooklyn around the same time, about 10 years ago. And that was when a lot of this stuff was really starting to change. And in some ways, I, sometimes I'm like, man, if I had started in, like, two, if I was a bit older and started earlier, then, uh, you know, you look at lineups from, like, 2010, 2005, it's, like, all white guys. It probably would have been much easier to get booked uh, more frequently, and it would have been you have more leeway to talk about other stuff. But I feel like uh, the bar has just kind of been raised in some ways on these things. So it's not like these ish- these things are taboo. It's just you have to have a really, you have to do it in a really funny way. And a, you, like you can't get away with just kind of lazy, like ironic racism in the same way that you would 15 years ago, which I'm c- kind of appreciative of because I remember, you know, being young and like watching comedy and stuff and there's things that i would find funny but then i'd also think about yeah i would feel pretty bad if there's like you know a black person or disabled person in this room that sees that and is feels bad about it you know that just is not a good 
uh, feeling, but it doesn't mean that like you can never joke about those things. You just have to, it's just a more, it's a bigger challenge to actually thread the needle really well. And there's some people who do it. Um, but it also has challenged me to like think of more original comedy and a lot of people in our position too to just think of new stuff that's that's funny to everybody yeah that's the thing about like edgelords is that they like sort of whine about this sort of stuff and say like oh you can't do this anymore. people are stopping you from doing this sort of stuff and the thing is you totally can the caveat is that you can't do it and expect to be hired by saturday night live which is yeah. like you know if you're such a fucking avant-garde artist why do you care you know me i'm giving a shit about entertainment that entertainment is I'm sorry, weird Zoom thing. I thought you were done talking. No, good. Whatever. Uh, I was just going to say the bar for entertainment is really high right now. Like, uh, while we've been having this conversation, I've had the video of Kid Rock shooting <laughs> Bud Light cans with an Uzi on replay for like 15 minutes. And I've seen him do it like 20 times. And I could watch it all day. And essentially, if you're performing live comedy, you have to be able to compete with Kid Rock shooting Bud Lights <laughs> with an Uzi. Uh, well, I can't. That's why I don't perform that much anymore. I was going to do that at the Slipper Room. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of obstacles doing that at the Slipper Room, and I actually wanted to talk about that when we're done recording. But What if, uh, as a way of uh, like redeeming myself, I were to shoot a bunch of cans with the word racism written on them? Mm. And they're like uh, a, a beer that's racist, which I think is all of them. Yeah, you'd have to shoot n- old Bud Light <laughs> to fight the fight against the new Bud Light, which does, yeah. as far as the case goes, it looks like the same case. It is going to be tough that way. Well, isn't Bud Light uh, gay now? They've they- gone woke. Okay. Yeah. Anders, because they have a rainbow can. That's what I'm which, hearing. Which, if you've had. As much Bud Light as Kid Rock is unacceptable. <laughs> <laughs> and it really shows on your face. The shirt oh, that's why he was your body. shooting the beers? Okay. Yeah, you didn't know that? You thought he was just shooting beers? Yeah, he's, you know. <laughs> no, they tried to tell him how to live. Can't that's do right. that to a cowboy. Well, ain't nobody going to tell me how to live. <laughs> I was thinking about, sorry, side note, but he is really the synth- he's from Detroit and Detroit there's like two kinds of white guy you got Eminem right or you got <laughs> Ted Nugent and Kid oh. Rock is like right in the middle they like came together and metamorphosized into the synthesis it's dialectics synthesis, that's yes. what Hegel was talking about indeed yeah we have so much to learn from politics <laughs> <laughs> uh, well anybody else got anything before I right segue us out of here i think i, think I got past the part where we all admitted to terrible things so i'm just gonna not say anything <laughs> and uh, i'm ready for this interview pretty sneaky patak we'll catch you one of these days you know what you did you'll never get me you'll never get me we'll get you to admit to it on microphone he hates fins my crimes are a secret you'll never get me Hey, it's Jake. Uh, This is the end of the episode. Actually, uh, there was a scheduling conflict because of my insane ongoing eviction-esque situation where uh, my landlord is trying to kill me. Um, So I didn't have a chance to talk to Jack 
uh, about his book, but I also haven't finished his book, so maybe we'll kick that can down the road. Also, I didn't tell him what this episode was going to be about, so I figured I would um, decomplicate that situation. <laughs> um, I will be in Los Angeles this next weekend uh, for a pretty wild show called Wallet Chain, which is uh, a birthday party. And it's new metal themed, and there's all sorts of weird shit going on. Uh, and I'll be doing stand up at it. And I will, won't be doing my old material if you catch my drift. Um, relax, everyone. Okay, so I think that's it. Sorry the episode's out late. Crazy weekend. Landlord eviction being canceled for the hundredth time. You know, you know how it goes around here. It's finished. <laughs>